Welcome back to Ascent Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It reads, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for their folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So as we continue to walk here through 1 Corinthians, even though we're in chapter 2, let's not forget that this was to be read as one letter. It's one uniform train of thought that Paul is developing. So as he continues and starts in this section, he's focused on moving forward with the same train of thought of what we left off on last time. But today I'd really like for us to focus in here on this thought that what he's imparting is secret and hidden of the wisdom of God. We see that in verse 7. So what are we talking about here when we think about something that's secret and hidden? Some of your versions of the Bible might use the word mystery. And when we think about a mystery, you kind of think of that in terms of like Scooby-Doo, right? The mystery. You're going to solve the mystery. You have everything in front of you at the given time, and you go and you gather data and you try to solve that. But here he says it's something that was secret and hidden It was decreed before the ages of our glory. So this mystery or this secret or hidden thing is not actually the same as those types of mysteries that we think about, but instead is something what we might call progressively revealed. What we mean by that is something that as we continue to move forward in time, there are different layers that are exposed displaying what really is going on. Think of this in terms of more of like a magician revealing the secret of how they're doing something or pulling the curtain back so that you see exactly what's going on to be taking place. It's really more of a revealing than it is a mystery because what's happening is it wasn't revealed through the wisdom of the world. It wasn't revealed to the rulers of the age but instead was progressively revealed by God as he moves forward with the thoughts of the time. And so God is progressively revealing these things to us by his spirit so that we can understand what's taking place. When we look back at the Old Testament, we see that the people were promised this ruler who was going to make all things right in their life. We can see the promises made to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about the fact that a Messiah or a Savior was coming. And we see that develop through the Old Testament. Yet when Jesus appears on the scene to be that fulfilling of that prophecy, 
they're not really ready for him because they're not ready to respond to the way in which God is revealing himself in that time. That's exactly what this passage is talking about, because those people are responding as the natural person, as Paul calls him here in verse 14, instead of responding as the spiritual person. The nation of Israel, the majority of the people who represented it, were responding as the natural person was, thinking and looking and searching and seeking to do things the way the natural person does things. What took place, though, is that the spiritual truths of what was happening were veiled or covered to them. They weren't revealed because the way in which they were thinking was the natural way of thinking. And so this natural versus spiritual causes this divide between these two groups of people because they're not understanding God the way as he is intended to be understood. I see this today all over the place in our ways. People want us to explain the gospel, and they say, I want you to use science to display the truths of the gospel. Well, that's interesting, but I don't think you'll accept the types of science that we talk about, because there's a big difference between things like experiential or experimental science that we do with the process of the scientific method versus theoretical science, which explains origins or other things that we can't really reproduce. And so they want us to use a type of system that is good in their way of thought, that is a good training for wisdom in certain aspects of the world, but they want us to speak to our faith in religion in those terms. And you can't always do that. You can't also even provide for them examples from other sciences that display that because a lot of times they just want to push aside the miraculous. That's the big thing about miracles, if you think about it, is they can't often be explained by natural phenomenon. Because if they could, they wouldn't be miracles. But they say, hey, I want you to explain these miraculous things using things that we would understand as parts of science. And we're like, wait, we're not even talking about the same thing. You're asking us to display something in terms of this spiritual reality, but you're asking us to only do it with these physical and temporal things that we have understanding of. And so we have to remember always that there is faith that there is the Spirit of God that is bringing about knowledge of these things. And we have to understand that that's a part of it. We have to also understand that when we think about this and engage in these conversations, that the God of this world has blinded the hearts of men, and that makes it so that they're not going to always respond to the way in which we reveal the gospel. So don't be discouraged as you're talking through those things. Don't be discouraged that you can't explain everything about faith and everything about your Christian life in terms of a scientific process, because it's not asking you to do that. That's not the purpose of our faith. The wisdom that makes sense to the wisdom of man is not always the wisdom that makes sense for the man of God. And so we want to understand that there's a significant difference between those things in this situation. As far as a question from this passage, I want us to look back at verse 3. It says there, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. What is that talking about? It actually helps us to place this relationship that Paul has with the church of Corinth in a specific time period in his life. When he actually arrived at Corinth, it was coming off of being beaten in his times in Thessalonica and Berea and Athens. And so we see those events that are recorded in Acts chapter 16 and 17 are kind of the backdrop for this time here in Corinth. And so as Paul is sharing the gospel with these people, he is personally weak. He's exhausted. He's been injured. He's coming off of a very hard and heavy time for which he saw 
the effects of the gospel on other people and how it can not bring about the desired result of the salvation, but instead can bring about anger and resentment and violence. And so as Paul comes, he understands the seriousness of sharing the gospel. And he says, I'm not out here trying to peddle the gospel, doing these little tricks or trying to convince people for that. But I understand that the message is what is going to change the people's lives by the spirit and by the power so that the faith is not in the situation or the person like it was in chapter one, that they were saying that it's this special person that has this higher level of the gospel, or it's this special person that is the most influential speaker of the time, that it's nothing to do with that, but it's only about the message of the gospel about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's important for us to understand. This situational thing of saying, I was with you in weakness and fear and trembling, is showing us the way in which Paul was. It helps us to place this historically, where he's at and how he express the gospel to these individuals and when that took place in his journey. But more specifically, it helps us in his explanation of what he's trying to say here as he says, hey, it's not about fancy frilly speech or these philosophical wisdom things that are going on, but instead it's really about the truth of the gospel. Do you understand the depth of grace displayed when Jesus died on the cross for you? That's what it all comes down to. Do you understand that Jesus Christ hung on the cross for your sins? It was you that placed him there. Even one of your sins was enough to warrant the death of someone. And Jesus Christ took that punishment for you on the cross. He chose to be an atoning sacrifice for you so that you could once again have the relationship that you desire and that God created for you to have. But you couldn't do that by yourself. It had to be done by somebody who is sinless, who could have a claim over sin and death, who could be able to make that transaction take place. Only Jesus could do that. That's what Paul wanted these people to understand. It's not about fancy lectures or convictions or other things that people might have been trying to do to gain followers. It has nothing to do with that. It only centers on the cross. From the cross, lives are transformed. From the cross, growth takes place. From the cross, faith is originated. Paul wanted his people to understand that. He has to bring them back to this as he continues to address these serious issues of what's going on here at the Church of Corinth. And so as you walk through the different things that God has placed in your life right now, the different conversations that you're having with people about the gospel, the different ways in which he's progressively revealing himself to you, I hope that you understand how central the gospel should be to every aspect of your life. As you think about the way in which it should launch you into obedience, that it should create in you a greater love every day for the grace that God has displayed in your life so that you're willing to take the gospel wherever God takes you. As you walk through that and as you walk through this passage, as you come up with questions, speak about those with other people in the community of believers to help sharpen one another, to help strengthen one another, to help grow your understanding of what is going on so that you're learning the things of the spiritual man, that you're not always viewing 
viewing things through the lenses of the world and what they suggest, but instead are allowing the Spirit of God to grow your faith, to develop your faith, to be a more mature believer of Christ. As you do that today, know you are loved. You're-